Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello to you, our valued podcast listener. I'm Raider Nick, and you're listening to the official Canberra Raiders podcast, Behind the Limelight. And once again, I'm joined by the Raiders media manager, the gatekeeper, Thanks, mate. Mr. Benny Pollock. Now, have you had much uh, stick about being called the gatekeeper? No, no, it's just you trying to bang on with something there. But um, no, no, it's been, a, it's been a tough week, let's be honest. Um, it's a long trip back from Gosford on Saturday afternoon after the game. Um, yeah, we went up there with pretty, some pretty high expectations after two really good wins, and uh, the, the team just did not come out of the blocks, and uh, in the NRL, you can't afford to do that. Yeah, we'll review that game, that loss against the Bunnies uh, from last week. We'll preview and move forward to round eight, the big clash against the Cowboys away from home once again. We'll have a couple of the boys joining us here, Josh Papali and uh, Dinamis Louie, a couple of the Queenslanders that make up our Raiders team, and it's very special for Evergreen. I mean, they're all special. But this one's a big one. A big Lazo, the brick, Glenn Lazarus, will be joining us for the Forever Green chat. So once again, sit back and relax. I hope you're comfortable wherever you are as we go behind the limelight. We start well at all. First couple of sets, we roll down the field, they roll down the field, then, then possession equals penalties and then equals points. We couldn't get much possession in that first 20 minutes and it made it really hard for us. They, uh, they outplayed us. Here's the coach after the round eight loss against the Bunnies. The boys went down 42-22 at Central Coast Stadium. And it was one of those funny games. Uh, the Bunnies come out of the blocks on fire. 18-zip, they were up. We kind of found our way back in the game, but that try from uh, Greg Inglis really broke their backs. But they went into half time though, 24-12, thinking, wow, we've been poor. We're not too far behind. It was one of those games where, especially in the second half, everything had to go right for us. And I'll say it, there was a couple of decisions that might have been interpreted differently. Things could have been a little bit different. Of course, we lost uh, Toots to the sin bin and 14 points uh, we conceded in that time. And at 36-12, look, it was always going to be hard to climb back from there. Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, the modern game, 18 points is nothing, but in the same token, you can't afford to give away 18 points to a side in this competition because, you know, most of the time you'll be you'll be out of the game or out of the contest. And um, that's exactly what happened uh, on the weekend. Souths got out to that lead. Um, they um, It came off the back of us giving away penalties and um, Adam Reynolds forced a, a drop out there from about 30 or 40 metres out too. So um, that gave them some back-to-back footy and it's a possession game, the NRL. And if you've got the ball, the ball and you've got the momentum, then you usually score some points. And yeah, we got it back to 24-12 at halftime. And, and like most people, I... Um, when we went into the sheds, the the the, the, the uh, I suppose the vibe was really positive in there. The, the boys sort of thought, look, we were in with a shot here. We've got ourselves into a position now where um, we've had nothing go our way. We can turn it around in the second half. But um, yeah, unfortunately, um, we started the the second half like we started the first. And um, once our Sydney uh, got their roll on again, it, there was no coming back. This week, a similar team. They've been, well, they've just come off a good win. They've been playing Amazing back in the Amazing that we're coming up against these teams every week that are coming into form. I mean, we got Manly three weeks ago um, when they came off the back of a really good win against Parramatta. Then they got absolutely towed up by Parramatta last week. We got the Rabbitohs, who admittedly had been playing some reasonable footy in the lead up to. And then we get the Cowboys now, who have just notched a win after, you know, four or five weeks of. 
have um, have been beaten. So um, the challenges are definitely there. It's just a matter of us being able to face those challenges head on. I, I really think the Raiders, especially the current mob, they still get seen as the 2016 squad and what they achieved in 2016. And when the coaches come down and prepare for the Raiders, they just think of their capabilities and they're highly respected. A lot of people come up for the Raiders and they know Ricky Stewart's going to fire the boys up. So they're ready. And Ricky's got relationships with half the coaches in the comp anyway, so they know what team's going to run out there. And it's almost like we're still having to go up against the wall of um, the expectations of 2016 and people raise the bar against the rate. Mm, I think it's the expectation's got to be internal as well, though. I think the how guys need to go out with that same expectation and say and realise what they can achieve when they put their minds to it. Um, look, there's um, there's some parts of our game that are really good and there's some parts of our game that often need some obvious work. And I know that the coaching staff's identified um, both of those areas and where they need to be better uh, and where they need to c- continue to build on the good stuff that they're doing. I mean, there's still plenty of good stuff that's happening uh, in this team. I mean, um, you know, guys like Jack White and Dinamis Louie, um, they're putting in every week. They're putting in strong performances. Jordan Rapana, Nicky Kotrick, you know, these guys are, are, are aiming up every week and delivering. It's just a matter of making sure that everybody's on the same page every week. As, as a fan reading on the outside some of the, the articles and some of the what's been said in the news, I'll ask you, Ben, the contract stuff, a lot of the boys are off contract for this year. Do you think it's been a distraction or has it been the other thing? Usually like coaches like to think, well, that'll actually make them fight for that position, fight for that new contract. But I think it could be a double-edged sword. No, I don't think you can use it either way, to be honest. It's not an excuse and it's not a motivation. It's um, It all comes down to the individual and whether they think that it can affect their performance. Yeah, um, it. So most of those guys, honestly, in this day and age, rugby leagues, um, a game where there's contract renewals and negotiations and um, possible club changes going on at every club every week. So it's not foreign to them. Um, back in the day, um, I think... Uh, John McIntyre used to, you know, get Mal's signature on the back of a coaster at the Queanbeyan Leagues Club to sign him on for another season. Where <laughs> now it's um, negotiations. You've got player managers involved. They can be prolonged. Everyone's fighting for the dollar to try and get themselves the best deal. Um, clubs that are, clubs are looking at um, what players they need to fill certain positions. Um, you know, you, you're going on form. You're going on um, past form. And you're going on, you know, potential. Uh, there's so many factors that come into it. So I, I think the players do a pretty good job of, of putting that aside and trying to focus on their own individual performances uh, and let the external stuff happen on the outside and look you can't use it as an excuse I don't think that's for sure great so no better way to, to, to rewrite a wrong from last week against the Cowboys our record well, I don't think we've won up there since for, 2006 for, but we've competed well up there we have well, there's two games where I remember the last two games we've been up by 16 or 18 points let's not forget uh, let's not bring it up I suppose with too much uh, fond memory, but now that game last year where it went to Golden Point, yeah. um, Thurston takes a field goal, it comes off the bottom of the crossbar. Um, for all stuff. money, it's going 15 rows back into the grandstand, but it hits the deck. Um, poor old Zaki Santo can't get there in time. They score and win the game in Golden Point. I mean, that's the sort of luck that we've had up there. Well, I think the last time we won a game, Todd Carney kicked a field goal in 06 yeah. to win. So from, from that's how long away. it's been since we've won a game up there. So we need to lift. We need to lift up there. Thomas Louis, Josh Papali, how are you? Not too bad. Good, Nicky. Good to have you along, boys. Um, last week we had the, the Tongans in. This week we've got the, the Samoans. So That's us, baby. The two Queensland Samoans. Yeah. Both from Brisbane, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts in Brizzy? Um, Logan. So, so. I'm also. So you're a Logan boy. 
Did you guys know each other growing up at all in Brisbane through footy stuff, obviously? Oh, I knew of them. Like, oh, we, we already spoke about it. We, we've known of each other, but this was, like, first time here at the Raiders. That you sort of to got to know each other a bit yeah, better? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, does it play against each other on the field at all? No, no. For the ranks? Um, oh, I played 20s against Nami, but um, a young kid from Logan growing up, I sort of looked up to the the Broncos forwards coming through and uh, the Namas, Tarek Sims, and, um, yeah, Namas was one of them, and... Uh, we just watched as and now I'm looking up to him <laughs> <laughs> no, you, know, you started, started your career um, up there at the Broncos um, you know obviously you've been to a couple of clubs along the way how have you found your, your move um, since you've moved there you, I think you went to the Dragons at Manly and now you're here at the Raiders um, four different clubs uh, what's the what's the differences been like in those clubs yeah they've, um, they've all been different clubs um, Broncos were probably um, one of the most professional clubs I've been at um but then uh, moving down to Manly, it sort of um, sort of wasn't as much pressure, and it was uh, a lot bit of feeling similar to here. Um, you know, all the boys are real cool. They they're really tight. The culture here is um, yeah, one of the best cultures I've been at, been involved with, and um, yeah, everyone here is pretty tight. So, what about as an opposing player? You would have played against the Raiders a, a fair bit. What was it like coming down here in the cold and oh. um, what was the pre- preparation like so we can kind of expose a bit of the opposition here? I hated it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You can't really prepare for it. Um, especially up in Queensland, it's a lot hotter. So, um, yeah, if we, I guess the only way to prepare for it is training a freezer or something. But, <laughs> yeah, did that, did that come into calculations for you when obviously you got an offer to come and play here? Um, did you think to yourself, um, I've, I've obviously got to take that into consideration. It's, it's going to be cold there for a lot of the time that we're training and playing down there. Um, to be honest, I didn't really think about it. I, I don't mind the cold. Um, like that's like um, lifestyle and that. But yeah. playing in the cold, I hate it. Um, but more, it was more. It was more the players that were already here, like Pups, Sia, Junes. Um, it was more uh, coming here, knowing that they're here as well. That's that's what really um, sold it for me. Josh, uh, different situation to Nami. You've you've spent your whole career here at the Raiders so far, and I suppose um, you know getting the opportunity to to have guys like Nami and join us. And when Sia came um, as a young um, guy with Samoan heritage, what was it like when when someone like Sia Soliola joined the club? Yeah, obviously uh, good for uh, the team and personally myself as well. And um, everyone knows how good Sia is around with. Uh, you know, the, the sponsors and um, the gala days we have around the club. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, obviously, um, with newer boys coming in as well and Junes and um, Dynamis and a few of the uh, Tongan Pollies as well, um, it, it's all good for the club and uh, it especially helps when they're playing. We spoke last week to a couple of the boys, um, the Tonga boys, and we mentioned that for a while there, you were the only Polynesian boy playing for the Raiders. Yeah. And there's always that question saying, yeah, the Raiders are a bit short on the Polynesian boys. Yeah. Now there's a, there's a massive uh, culture sprinkled across. Does that help matters? Does that really help you off the field and social situations? Because you're very family orientated and, you know, like, does that, um, how's that all going? <coughs> yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, like you said before, it's, I was the only taken one here for a while, and um, that, didn't really bother me. I was getting into my country music a bit there. So, um, but in saying that, um, you know, having Sia and um, you know a few of the polys down as well, um, I made uh, you know some friends for life now. And uh, being real close with Nami now off, off the field and especially on the field, it's uh, definitely helped me with uh, life in general. Because you've, um, I mean, there was that 
well publicised thing with uh, with Campo back in the day. How you got really homesick when you were here, and uh, you needed to kind of have that that warmth and that nurture of that family. How is that experience for you, Papa? And how is it now in regards to that? Yeah, a lot better now. I've got kids on my own, and um, you know, when I when I first come down, I was a bit uh, homesick. But having a captain like Campo look up to Tungy as well, um, they sort of got me uh, feeling right at home and um, you know I stayed at my homestay's house for about four years as well so um, you know out in Nunwar which was wasn't too bad but then not having a license and catching buses and uh, you know had a lot of time by myself. Nami um, obviously you've come back this year from injury and you've, you're playing some great footy you, you must be happy with the way that you've come back um, so far? Uh, yeah yeah um, i I just to try to you know bring the energy when I get on and um, try and uh, change the game like just any way I can and um, just tr- yeah try to keep the boys up here when I'm out there. It's one of the most devastating injuries a, a rugby league player can get, uh, a sportsman can get, is an ACL injury because it's got that extended period where you're out of the game um, and you, and you worked so hard, you work at your backside off in the gym every day in that nine months or whatever it was to get yourself back on the field. You then had to go down to Manly and play. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the scene of the crime where it happened last time. What was your mindset like going into that game? Uh, it wasn't too bad. Oh, it was. Bit of baggage there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was in my mind at the start of the week, but then um, sort of uh, as as we got out for warm-up and that, sort of, yeah, just didn't really think about it. And, um, and then I, I didn't think about it again until after the game when, um, when Spech... Come over, come over and shook my hand. I was wondering why he was shaking my hand because we lost. And then um, I clicked and I realised, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, sorry." You killed, you killed the demon, mate. <laughs> exactly right. Well, just on that whole uh, recovery process, and we know how how tough it is for you. And you, we've spoken to players before about, yeah, you, know, you don't have the opportunity to train with the squad all the time. You're not around the boys all the time. You're sort of a little bit isolated when you're in that rehab group. When you see. Um, a, a player like Josh who's played for his country and his state um, with your name written on his um, arm guard each week as he, as he runs out there and takes the field while you can't play. What does that mean to you? A lot, man. Um, it just shows how close we are, you know, um, and and the club as well, how close everyone is. It's like we're like family. So, um, yeah, just seeing my name on his wrist every, um, pretty much every game from then on, um, you know, really, really just inspired you to try and get back out there and and uh, yeah, uh, the dogs game, man. I thought uh, that was probably your best performance in a green jersey. You were just killing him. You came on. You brought that energy, and uh, being on the sideline for the for the Sydney radio, even the big boys there were saying, "Wow, this guy's playing out of his skin." When you have a really good game like that, is it a template you want to kind of strive for? Yeah, exactly right. And um, you know, we we set the bar pretty high there, um, and then we followed it up again the week after against Parramatta. Um, so like. I don't know what happened on the weekend. We just, you know, a bit off. But um, yeah, that the, the the way we played against the Bulldogs is how we want to turn up every week, and that's our target from now on. Josh, some encouraging signs for you two in particular. Obviously, um, we didn't get away to a great start on the weekend, but when you two guys came onto the field, you were able to, um, you know, help in plugging some of those gaps down the middle, a third of the field. And did, is that encouraging for you guys to, to be able to show that um, when you guys can come onto the field, you can contribute and, and, and turn things around? Because you went into that halftime break 24 12, where it could have been anything at one point. Yeah. Oh, I, do, I definitely was pretty confident when I come on. Um, we're sort of an outfit that can score 24 points when we won. And, um, 
you know, coming on with uh, an 18, I think, nil start. Um, I was pretty confident that um, Chicken and, and Osti could get us out of trouble and, uh, you know, coming on with the Namas there and... Um, yeah, I was, I was still pretty confident. Mm. You got a huge test this weekend, boys. Um, you're going up there to Townsville. I, I don't know what it is this season, Nick, but we seem to come up against teams when they're hitting form. And uh, you got the Cowboys this week who've come off the back of a big win. Uh, we know that the team didn't perform well against South. We've seen what they're capable of in the last two weeks. What do you need to do this week to, to turn things around? Yeah, I think um, instead of focusing more on other teams, I think uh, the biggest focus this week was just to concentrate on what we're doing good and uh, trying to encounter on our um, sort of our weaker points. Uh, but there was a few positives from the loss on on the weekend, and um, you know we're definitely working on our weaknesses there, and uh, definitely looking forward to going up to uh, Townsville. What's it like? Um when you got to prepare against JT and Tamalolo, plenty of tape, plenty of video. Is it? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Like, what's the preparation like? And you've played with him, you know, at yeah. origin level, so you know, you know his X, Ys, and Cs, and, and you know, yeah. you know his mannerisms on the field, you know his calls. So, what is it like? Do you, do you do you kind of lead the pack a little bit? Would you be, would you be driving the bus there, saying, "All right, boys, watch out, watch his left side, watch his right side"? Uh, is it really focused, <coughs> or is it you know a bit of that thing that you're saying you to focus on yourself? Surely oh, not. Oh, <laughs> oh, look, it's it's pretty hard to focus on yourself when um, you know. If, uh, a future immortal is standing in front of you and JT is playing and um, I think it's more um, yeah do your best and hope for the best I think what about Big Town Lolo? yeah I, yeah, he's Did pretty scary to early that night before when you play against him <laughs> yeah oh look I will just try and come third man in are you blokes roomies on the away trips no I'm with Sia so with Sia who do you have who do you have um I'm moving around, eh? Who have you had so far? I've had, I'm usually with uh, Siliva, but yep. uh, on the weekend I was with Jack, so I um, had to sort of change it up a little bit. I've got to ask, sorry to push any buttons, mate. A few weeks ago you played in second grade. Uh, people tell me, a lot of first grade players say when they go back to second grade, the pace is so much slower. And you think you could just going to automatically go out there and kill it and carve up and score four tries and yeah. have a complete 10 out of 10 performance. But then once they get out there, they realize it's, it's a lot slower. And there's that really fine line between you don't want to actually get adapt to that slow pace because you might be stuck there forever. Yeah. But you also want to perform and, tell, and show the coaches and show everyone that, you know, I'm ready to go back up. What was that experience like for you? I mean, because you've... Without, like I said, without triggering any buttons there, you played for Australia, you played for Queensland at the highest level of this game. But to go back to that stage, what was what was going through your head and what was that like for yeah, you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good with uh, off field, um, you know, stuff like that. Getting dropped for, um, you know, to go back and find form, I was all good with it. I, I sort of agreed with Sticky's decision there. Um, and going back, I, um, you know, I knew I had to go back and try and perform. But in saying that, I I was. I wasn't running out by myself as well and um, you know I talked to Kari there and um, Sticky played me at lock uh, back at Mounties and um, you know I did the best I could do and um, you know a week later I got caught back in which was a positive but in saying that um, you know nothing goes away from playing with a, a good Mounties team. So is it about really gelling with the group in that short amount of time and seeing what can I add to the Mounties what can I what can I add and, and be an example for the younger guys there so it's all about so it could be a good a positive experience as well at the same token. Yeah pretty much I, I think um, you know going back sort of um, sort of humbled me a bit and uh, you know I sort of 
uh, I was just comfortable, to be honest, the first four rounds. And um, I think that was the same with a lot of players. But um, you could probably see it more in, in my performance than others. And, uh, you know, like I said, going back really grounded me. And, um, you know, I found a, a, a little switch there. And uh, hopefully I can keep it on for a while now. Uh, I suppose one big thing that gets talked about a fair bit is that the fact that teams, um, you know, right across the NRL are so even. Um, it seems to be something that can happen on game day where if you're off by half a percent it just seems to turn the game so dramatically how hard is it to get up mentally every week in this competition and be on top of your game a hundred percent yeah it is tough um you know with with ongoing injuries and uh mate everyone only sees the the shiny bit of this the the career things um they only see out run out on the weekend and a few pictures from from training and um but they don't actually see the hard work that the boys really put in and um you know trying to come in every day um trying to stay focused and um you know, trying to do it for a consistent 26 rounds, it's, it's pretty tough, not including the final. Because well. the mental preparation, Nami, it seems to be something that um, a lot of people talk about how, as I mentioned, hard it is to, to, to fully focus every game. Not that you're not going out there focused, but if something's off by a little bit, then it, it can sort of snowball. Is that what it felt like on the weekend, do you think? Um, it's, it's hard to say because we, we prepared really well last weekend. All the boys were talking it up. Um, just how how we went to Manly and um, we didn't perform well. We um, had to sort of stay prepared and and do as much as we could uh, preparation wise to try and get ready for the game. And um, it's it's hard to tell because I thought that you know we prepared really well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, sort of just one of those. It's a good question though because they're only human and like. Mm. I've come in today, mate, and I've been on the I've been on the spew all morning. So it's not you know you, you come in and everyone's got to focus with this. Don't be just step back ten meters. No, it's <laughs> food poisoning. Food it's not poisoning. But you know I've come in and I'm I'm half done. You know, like you, you come in you to your day. You don't go in every day. Everyone's feeling one hundred percent. Exactly right, and it must be hard for you guys because you got to go out there and, and you got that expectation of the world, expectation of everything on your shoulders, and and you're expected to do that like. What is it like sometimes you wake up in the morning and, and I think the modern day coach now actually takes that into consideration. Sometimes they rock up and they think, gee, the boys look a bit off today or that guy looks off today. I might leave him or I might have to have a chat to him without letting too much out of the bag. What's that like on a humane level when you wake up one morning and you might have something going on in your life, family, or you might just not feel 100%. Something you might have eaten the night before or, <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you, how do you approach that, Louis? I don't know. Well, oh, you're just 100% perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nothing bothers this guy, man. Well, nothing will bother him, actually, because I don't think he has any rituals before games, but I always have things I stick to. Like, I have, oh, to yeah? have ice cream after after dinner, late as well, like after night. So that's a bit risky. <laughs> so, um, Especially if you're playing Tamalolo this week. Yeah. Um, no, I think... Yeah. I mean, how do you approach it on a humane level? Do you go, look, I won't tell anyone that, um, you know, I feel a bit funny yeah. today or... Oh, you sort of notice some boys come in, they've, everyone's got kids and uh, you're the odd one now if you don't have a kid at this club and, um, well, that's the beauty of footy. Uh, you got your mates around you and, um, you know, I definitely know when I, when I turn up a bit, um, you know, sick or, or tired, uh, you know, I got 30 mates there that's ready to have my back and, um, yeah. One quick thing I wanted to ask as well, not to talk too much about the World Cup. They're saying a lot of, 
not to be a stats man, the statistics are saying a lot of the people involved in the World Cup, their stats are down because they're saying it was a very, very draining period. It was very, a very intense World Cup. How are you feeling on the back of that? Is there, do you feel a little bit kind of overrun a little bit? Do you feel a little bit overcooked? Um, oh, I actually feel all right. I think um, I sort of used the World Cup as a little holiday of mine and, um, <laughs> you know, for, for those who read the articles yeah. after coming back from World Cup. I've, so if that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah I put on a few kgs and, um, to be honest, I, I didn't approach that World Cup, um, you know, like a professional and, um, you know, like I should have. But, um, yeah, look, after the World Cup, I was a bit drained, but Sticky sort of gave us a few weeks off and lost a bit of weight there and uh, feeling more better now though. It must have been a good thing, though, too, representing Samara, um, to, go, to go back to that. And you just really take it like a duck to water, don't you? And they always talk about the boys in the Polynesian camps. They find it hard uh, after camp because it takes them a while to get over it. You know, they're just so yeah. high on that emotion and then the camaraderie and the brotherhood there. Yeah. Oh, well, especially when we went back to Ireland. Um, you know, the, the the people back in the island love their footy and, um, you know, they love their country and they like to support. And, um, you know, for Polynesian to, to uh, by their way of supporting it, sometimes cooking, uh, you know, a massive feast. And, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to decline that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's disrespectful. Yeah. Well, boys, uh, thanks very much for coming and talking to us. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to, to, uh, the, the second round of our Samoan Language Week video later in the year after last year's effort. It went viral, so we'll have to cook up something else there. But uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, good luck against the Cowboys this weekend, and let's hope you can uh, put in a good performance to get the two points. All good. Cheers. Thanks, thanks, boys. thanks, guys. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Steve Jackson reached out and scored! I didn't think there was any way he was going to make that, but he did! Grant going for the line, Grant scores! Oh, Ricky Stewart, that's rugby league magic! Sipowski will get away from Peter and score the try! The Raiders, what about their courage? Oh, Mullen, what a day! Daly and Mullen! Glenn Lazarus, thanks for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. My pleasure, mate. Mate, just uh, we'll kick things off. Obviously, Queanbeyan Blues Junior. You grew up uh, in the in the town of Queanbeyan. What was the feeling in the year when the Raiders came into the competition in '82? Obviously, Queanbeyan being such a rugby league, rugby union town, was there a buzz in the air? Can you remember? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Excited people around because, it, as you said, it's a very uh, rugby league area. And um, yeah, everyone had their team in Sydney. I mean, I grew up being a massive Parramatta fan, and uh, you know, my mate was a, a Roosters fan, and you know, everyone had their team. And uh, all of a sudden, um, we were going to get our own, own team. So people were a little, you know, I mean, I, I think for a while the, the Raiders were their were the second team, but eventually, of course, um, everybody just grew to love the Raiders. And so, being a young footballer growing. 
growing up through the ranks there at Queenie in Canberra. Was it an aspiration to pull on the green jumper? Oh, look, I can remember vividly going to the games. I was there the day that David Grant died, David, to score a try and to uh, get the Raiders' first ever win against Newtown. Wow. Uh, you know, I grew up going to grand finals at Seaford Oval. Um, you know, mum and dad would take one of the cars over. And park it in the uh, in the in the uh, the ground, and then mm. uh, we'd go 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 later on that afternoon. And you know, one of my most vivid memories is you know, being able to the Queensland Blues were playing in a grand final there, and they kicked footballs out, and I managed to grab one, and you know that sort of thing. So when uh, you know the Raiders came in, it was it was just wonderful, and uh, playing at Seaford Oval, and then of course you know I can remember thinking how bizarre this was that I was all of a sudden. Uh, you know, playing on Seaford or playing for the Raiders. What was your first experience there with uh, Wayne Bennett? Yeah, he, he was uh, pretty much the same. I think you know, he, he hasn't sort of changed his full uh, beliefs as a coach, but you know he's had to adapt as as all long term coaches have had to do over the years. So I, I, I do remember thinking it was um, uh, a sad thing for the Raiders that he did leave and only gave us the one year, but. Uh, mm. I didn't know that we were going to uh, get probably um, a coach on the, on, on the same level as, as Wayne in that in Tim Sheens. You mentioned Sam Bacco. Uh, he was the kind of guy that you'd probably look up to, considering he was a you know a fellow prop forward. A couple of things about Sammy. I remember uh, in uh, eight, well, 1988, um, they changed the rules a bit when it came to uh, uh, reserves. Like, you're allowed two fresh reserves on one. On the bench, and um, so I started the first two games on the bench. So I trained with the first grade side basically from from the get go. And I can remember the first training session. Sam pulled me aside and, and said, "Stick with me, son, and I'll make you make you a superstar." Sort of, you know, in, in only a way Sam could say it. But whilst I, he was joking, um, you know, I was really appreciative that year under him. I mean, he he was a a very very good player. I don't think I I've ever seen a, a front rower make as many line breaks as what he used to do. Um, I spoke to Boxhead Walters last week, and uh, he was saying it all started when he went to the grand final breakfast, and Peter Peters, the MC, didn't know half the Raiders squad. And then Tim Sheens had a chat about that afterwards. Yeah, look, uh, uh, there were a few things we got motivation about to win that grand final, and that was certainly one of them. It was quite, I thought, disrespectful in, in some respects, but... Um, you know, we took it in our stride, and, and as, as as you just said, you know, Sheens he used that uh, to motivate us. I can remember the morning of the of the grand final, we uh, woke up to the, the newspapers where it was just a matter of how much Belmont were going to win by, and wow. and they were going to win through their uh, forward pack. Um, you know, obviously littered with internationals and and you know, superstars. They were going to. Uh, they were going to just run all over the top of us. You know, I was ruining the toddy, of course, and, uh, you know, I could, I could see the steam coming out of his ears, and it certainly motivated me. To, you know, we, we knew uh, within, the, within the club that we had a very good hard-working forward pack, and, um, you know, we we had probably the best back line in the comp, mm. and they, they don't get to do what they do if we don't or ha- hadn't done a good job throughout the year. So... Um, you know, we, we knew that we could match it with them and, um, you know, I felt at the end of the day, you know, we, we certainly held our own against them and, uh, 
uh, you know, the rest is history. You know, we we uh, we won what a lot of people say is the best grand final ever. So yeah. you know, it was it was a massive massive achievement from a side uh, to bring that trophy back to Canberra. Um, was just a very, very proud moment of mine, and and the people of Canberra responded. You know, I mm. I often say when I speak to people uh, over the last what is it thirty years or whatever it is uh, that you know, I think uh, you know, Canberra really changed, it became less sterile, it became mm. less public servant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I just I just felt that everyone. Oh, soul. Yeah, you know, Canberra became really proud of the fact that they had the best team uh, in the NRL. You know, like you mentioned yourself and Todd up against internationals of Blocker Roach, Paul Siren and Steve Walters playing against Benny Elias. You know, Ricky against Gary Freeman. It was like that perfect Disney movie how the Raiders became known. You know, against the odds to win that game in such circumstance. Mal had his own personal demons, you know, four broken arms to lead the team. It was just brilliant. You know, Steve Jackson at the end, a guy, a, a, tra- a troubled guy off the field to win the game for it. It was just the perfect scenario. Can you remember going through your mind when you saw Jacko cross over for that try? Well, I can remember, uh, I can remember it full time, uh, at the end of the, um, the regulated regulation time of 80 minutes. Um, I looked around and, and I could see the Gary Jackson, the Wayne Pierce's, uh, the Ben Elias is all on their horses, you know, and with this look of disbelief in their eyes that what just happened, you know, we we were leading whatever they were, they're leading by like ten or twelve points at half wow. time and blah 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 and we were supposed to win this, you know, we're a lot better side, but anyway they they hadn't and it was all tied up and um, I I felt very confident because I you know, I could feel the momentum was in our in our favour. We were coming home with a wet sail, we were, you know, we were playing, the, we had the roll on and so forth, and um, we just, you know, I just felt we were we were the side that was more enthusiastic at that period of time, and then, um, of course, that kick was put downfield, and Gary Jack knocked it on mm. 10 metres out in front of the goalpost. Um, and, of course, then a big argument came ensued because uh, Chris Yosalov, yeah. Chris Yosalov had called out Angel, you know, uh, let's put on Angel, and we didn't, and, you know, that means kick a field goal, and we said, well, no, we've got a set of six, we could actually, you know, get six points here, you know, but, you know, he he, he took it, and that put us in front, and then, uh, you know, Jacko scored that wonderful, wonderful try that sealed the deal, and uh, uh, just disbelief, mate, uh, when, when the sign went I mean, that, I, I played footy for since the age of five for the Queanbeyan Blues and never played in a grand final and, and that was my first ever grand final and to win that in the circumstances we did and with the people that I played with and you know um, it was just it was just a wonderful wonderful time in my my life. Wow look everyone that played in that game from the Raiders side remembers the game so vividly like it was played yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned in 89 you were an inexperienced pack. By 1990, you became a feared pack, and the Canberra Raiders grew into this big monster. Minor premiers in all three grades, grand finalists in all three grades. You come out of the blocks on fire at the start of the year, won the Panasonic Cup. He's pretty much won everything that the NRL threw at you. He's dominated the whole year. What was it like feeling that you were a team that 
kind of flew under the radar, no pun intended, in '89, and to becoming yeah. to become this this big monster of what the Canberra Raiders turned into in 1990. Yeah, well, you learn very quickly that um, you have to uh, be even more committed in that second year than the first. But as you say, you're not a you know haven't got a dirty great target on your back yet. Um, when you haven't won anything, mm. um, you know. So '89 in that respect was easy. You know, it was, no one gave us a hope in hell. So you know, we use that as motivation. Uh, you know, we'll prove the bastards wrong, sort of thing. And, yeah. You know, and, and all clubs uh, experience the year after a grand final win is that every team is up for that mm. particular game against you. So you have to be, you know, on your game every week, or you're going to lose. So. To win back to back is a massive achievement, and and it's not surprising it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, you know, it doesn't. It, it hasn't happened since the Broncos of '92 and three. So yeah. I have arguments all the time about Raiders of '89 as opposed to the Broncos of '92. You know, wouldn't it be great to see those two sides, you know, go up against each other? Because I think we're very similar in the fact that they were just quality football sides. Positionally, you look at the positions. Who played, you know, in, in the front row? Who played, you know? Where would you play? Back. Well, I, I, and then I say, of course, it doesn't. I, I, they ask me who would win. I said, well, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I would win anyway because yeah. Yeah. I'd have to play both sides. But uh, look, I, it'd be very, very difficult. I, I wouldn't like to, you know, I wouldn't like to predict anything there. But, uh, um, but I think winning that next second grand final in '90 just put the Kangaroo Tour that year as well. That would have been sensational for a young Queensland man going on a plane with the likes of in that kind of with that kind of company. <laughs> yeah. Nineteen ninety was a, a, a massive uh, a massive year for me. Um, as you say, we won back to back premierships. I started my um, rep career with uh, playing for Australia, and I got married that year. And I got yeah. married the day before I flew out. To uh, England on the Kangaroo Tour. Oh, yeah. so I got married at the Hyde Hotel uh, in Canberra on the 28th, on the 29th of uh, September, and on the 30th I flew to England for two and a half months. Well, England and France for two and a half months. So I still owe oh, my my uh, very supportive wife, uh, <laughs> my very uh, forgiving wife, uh, a honeymoon. Yeah, so I, I spent my honeymoon at Blocker, <laughs> uh, Blocker Road. So um, you know. Uh, but what an experience. Look, we move on, Lazo, to 1991. Now, you talk about being the hunted. It wasn't just teams that were hunting you in 91. It was it was administration. Uh, I talked to a lot of your teammates from back then, and they're saying that even though we lost the GF in 91, it still leaves a really sweet taste in our mouth for what we endured as a club on and off the field. And by the end of the season, yourself, you know, you had the sternum issues, Ricky with his groin, Laurie with his knee, you know, he's all busted and he's all limped into the grand final in 91 and just lost it in the last 10 minutes to a very, very hungry Penrith team backed by Phil Gould. Can you remember much of 91, especially that, that final series, that campaign, and, and the stress that you, the club was getting off the field? There was, I, I, I thought, uh, you know, JR and Shenzhi, you know, sort of did did a good job and sort of chilling us a little bit from it, you know. There was always, you know, something that uh, um, was there. We knew that there were some issues, or there was, you know, some, some stuff happening that, that would affect us, you know. Um, battled our way, and we, it wasn't a great feeling. 
the sad thing is that was my last game for the Raiders. I still remember the day sitting in the back barbecue in Queanbeyan with my old man, and he came to me and mentioned that Glenn Lazarus is going to the Broncos. And I felt shattered without embarrassing you. But had the pleasure of interviewing Les Gock, the guy that created the Green Machine song. And by, by 1989, when you heard that Green Machine song, you thought of Dean Lance, you thought of Mal Meninga, you thought of Brent Todd, and you thought of Glenn Lazarus. You thought of you guys became the identity of the Canberra Raiders. And then after 91, the band started splitting up. No pun intended there. Brent Todd went yeah. to the Gold Coast. That massive spillage. Mark Bell went to the to the Magpies. Paul Martin went to the you know all the, all these characters and rock stars of the Raiders all started to leave. You went to the Broncos. As devastating that was for Canberra. Obviously for yourself, was that more of a big career move or was you had no choice? I don't know. Something sort of. I've been in the area all my life, never experienced anything else, and. Um, you know, I spoke to my wife about it, and she was happy to. She was happy with whatever I decided, and you know, I'd met Kevy and Alf um, and Johnsy, Chris Johns, and that in the '90 Kangaroo tour, and you know, I'd had that experience with Wayne in '87 and so forth. So I thought, oh, yeah, it might be nice to go and play for someone else. Um, so I did, you know, and look, to this day, I sort of regret it, but wow, I mean, you know, how could I? Yeah, where does the regret come from? Oh, uh, just, I mean, when I go back to Canberra now, and, you know, I've been on the uh, Warriors game the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, anyway, it's just me being silly, but, look, you know, I, I don't know whether I would change anything. I mean, the fact that I managed to win grand finals with three different clubs, I think, you know, uh, I can't be I can't be uh, disappointed. With- All right, Glenn Lazarus, time for the uh, Forever Green set of six. Uh, number one, what do you do now for work? Um, well, I'm semi-retired. I do a, I'm doing a little bit of radio work for 4BC up here. Mm. Uh, my wife and I own a public relations bu- business uh, called Invigorate um, PR, which is going really well. So, yeah, really enjoying life at the moment. And uh, how's life after the post-politics game? Uh, well, it's certainly a lot less stressful, I guarantee you that. Um, it's, uh, wow, it was an experience, let me say. <laughs> well, you, you went a lot further than Mal did anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, each to their own. I, I wish, sometimes I wish I had done what Mal did. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's a lovely thing. Uh, question number two, mate. Uh, look, what did it mean for you to wear the green jersey? Oh, look, mate, as I said, you know, like, I, I, I was just... Rugby league was my life. Um, it was growing up. I mean, the last thing I saw when I went to bed and the first thing I saw when I woke up was a Parramatta um, poster of the team above my bed. And, you know, so rugby league was my life. And then to get a, our own team in, in Canberra and Queanbeyan and then to actually play for them, I mean, you know, it was just an absolute privilege and just something that I look back on with such fond memories. Great times, great times. And the fact that we were successful just adds to that, adds to the memories. But just putting on that green jersey was a very, very proud moment for me. So favourite memory of the club, I'm thinking 89? Yeah, look, that's that's right up there. I, I remember my first run-on game. We played South Sydney at uh, at uh, Seaford Oval and um, we, we beat them. South were obviously a very good side in those days and uh, we beat them. I ran over the top of... Uh, Mario Fennick, mm. um, and I just 
felt, you know, I felt wonderful. And so <laughs> that memory's always with me. But, of course, you know, 89 and that grand final was just just something that uh, obviously I'll never forget and something I, I really do cherish. Favourite teammate and why? Oh, look, it'd have to be Sticky. I just I just love his his competitiveness and, uh, you know, he's, he's a wonderful guy. He's a, he's a lovely guy and, um, you know, I just wish him all the success um, as the coach of the, of the Raiders now. But um, one thing about front rowers, um, it's a, it's, we have this funny relationship with uh, front rowers and, and halfbacks always seem to come together and become uh, close friends. Hmm. And, and um, you know, I often say over the time when I was coaching various teams that you know, halfbacks should tell front rowers what to do, not ask them. And Ricky certainly didn't never ask me to do anything on the field. He always told me to do it. And, yeah. and I appreciate it because, you know, I'm gasping for air and, you know, I'm, you know, got a million things on my mind and Ricky would just, you know, take this, take this ruck up to here or whatever. Um, yeah, look, I, I think, um, yeah, it'd have to be Ricky for sure. And the, and the fact that he's a cheeky halfback, you know, we just seem to um, attract to each other front rowers and halfbacks. Because it would have been, I mean, you go to bed at night knowing that you played for Ricky and you also play with Alfie. What was what was it? They, they were massive rivals in the nineties, obviously, and they always fought yeah, for that Australian yeah. jumper. I yeah. mean, we can't compare them because they were two different players. But obviously, where where was Ricky's strength and where was Alfie's strength? You reckon? Oh well, I think you know, Ricky Ricky's strength was obviously his kicking, his uh, his um, you know his man- managing of the team, uh, his passing, uh, where where you know. Yeah, Sticky, Sticky was the general, mate. You know, whatever he did and whatever he said, that was what we did. With Alf, he sort of did. He was he sort of led. He, he did the running, more more of the running and and all that sort of thing. I mean, both wonderful players, both wonderful men. Um, you know, I, I really do hate talking about comparing those two because you know they're they're, they're potential immortals in their own right. Absolutely, in to their ability. You know, I just I. I I was just very, I'm very appreciative that I got to play with both of them, let me tell you. We've got a question five. Hopefully we can find a G-rated one. Funniest moment at the club, Lazo? <laughs> oh, mate, now you're testing the, uh, the memory. Um, <laughs> well, there's always the one where, um, you know, Wayne, we all know that Wayne's fairly serious sort of dude. You know, he, like most characters, they hate seeing errors being made on the training paddock. Um, uh, and a player I won't mention uh, kept dropping a ball, and Wayne, you know, asked him what the hell was going on, and he's he said, oh, "I'm finding it hard to catch the ball." And, and Wayne said, "Why is that?" He said, "Well, I haven't got any pockets, and I've got to hold my keys, my car keys, in my hand." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that didn't go down too well, too well with Wayne. But, that would have uh, drove him insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, the, the one that everybody remembers too was Laurie. Yeah. Uh, and the trophy, um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I get asked about that all the time up here about you know when I was out in Kirby and that. I mean, just funny things happen on a daily basis with people like Alf and Kirby and Ricky and Larry and Clyde. You know, these sorts of guys that are just good times. Yeah, all the time. You know, they make you 
you know, look forward to going to training, even though you're going to get you know, smashed. You, 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 you like, you, know, you get, you get uh, the company got you through it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Last question for the set of six here, Lazo. What advice would you give to the current day Camberators? Oh, jeez, mate. That's a really tough one because they're not far off the mark. Uh, you know, um, it's just been uh, something that was uh, uh, explained to me many years ago, which I think is very true, is when it comes to uh, performance, there are four aspects of performance. Uh, one is um, uh, is uh, what. Uh, the next one is how. The third one is uh, ability. So um, we all know what to do to win games and play well. We all know how to do that. We know how to win games and play well. We all have the ability. I mean, you're not you don't sit in a Raiders dressing room if you don't if people don't think you've got the ability. But the fourth one is choices, and that and that's what will determine whether you win or lose mm. or play well. Um, every time you go out onto the football field. And I think that's what's been their, their downfall this year. At certain times, uh, players, individuals and team, and the team have just made the wrong decisions at the wrong time, you know. And, it, and, and it's not massive decisions. It's something like, you know, they should have kicked here rather than run or, they, you know, they should have taken the two rather than go for the six. You know, just little errors. I mean, they, they, they led the Titans... And, you know, they made a couple of decisions and it allowed the Titans to get back in. Same, you know, the same with the Warriors, you know. A few better choices um, and it would be a lot different as far as where they are on the ladder at the moment because they are putting in the... They are putting in. The players are playing um, for each other. They're playing for Ricky and, and playing for the Raiders. But it's just those choices. They just need to, you know... They, they just need to make the, the right choices at the right time. And, and the game you saw last week, you know, I, I think that they're getting getting their head around that as well. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the rest of the year with the Raiders. If the Raiders play the Broncos in the grand final, who does Lazo go for? <laughs> uh, they, they, they tell him, but they tell Wayne, but I think they'll be going for the Raiders. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Glenn Lazarus, look, before we let you go, there's something... Wonderful when it comes to Raiders players. Yourself, you moved on to the Broncos. You had a great career at the Broncos. You went to Melbourne. You won a premiership. You were the inaugural captain. That gets forgotten a lot today. Great career in rugby league. Glenn Lazarus, thank you for joining us on the Behind the Limelight podcast. No problems, mate. My pleasure. And go to Raiders.